I'm Erica Lynn, and we all know the ocean is the most demanding environment on Earth, consistently testing the reliability and durability of our equipment. When you spend as much time fishing as I do, you know that reliable gear is essential for staying on the water. This is why I went with Abyss Battery to power my trolling motor, electronics, and outboard. The guys at Abyss Battery are rattling the saltwater industry by manufacturing performance marine batteries specifically designed for sonar, outboards, trolling motors, and electronic fishing reels. They're also Bluetooth compatible, so I found check battery statuses right on your phone while you're out on the water is a huge game changer. To learn more about why Abyss batteries are used by the pros and factory installed by Premier Boat Builders, visit abyssbattery.com. After years of fine print contracts and getting ripped off by overpriced wireless providers, if we've learned anything, it's that there's always a catch. So when I heard that Mint Mobile wireless plans are $15 a month when you purchase a three-month plan, I thought, What's the catch? But after talking to them, it all made sense. There isn't one. Mint Mobile's secret sauce is that they sell wireless service online. They cut out the cost of retail stores and pass those sweet savings directly to you. To get this new customer offer and your new three-month unlimited wireless plan for just 15 bucks a month, go to mintmobile.com slash waypoint. That's mintmobile.com slash waypoint. Cut your wireless bill to 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com slash waypoint. Additional taxes, fees, and restrictions apply. See Mint Mobile for details. Shut up and sit down. Welcome back to the Bowhunter Chronicles podcast brought to you by Tacticam. Tacticam is the easiest way to begin filming your hunts. So easy, in fact, that Frank and Ernie are going to be using those all season this season. And uh, we played around with them during turkey season, got the kinks worked out and uh you know they got the budget friendly solo that we're giving away through our patreon um each each quarter and they've got the 4k tacticam 5.0 so there's something for everybody no matter how good or bad or new or uh, experienced you are to to self-filming but um you know tacticam also has the reveal cell cams coming out and, uh, you know, lots of people have got those already. We're still waiting for ours and uh, looking forward to getting those out there um, and uh, getting you some information on how those work. Um, but this episode, uh, you've heard me talk and you've probably seen on social media some of our stuff about um, the Vitals Live. So this podcast is a little bit different. Um, this one was recorded live um on the Vitals Live platform uh, with Alex Chop, the owner, uh, John Eberhardt, myself, and uh, John. And uh, if you were on any of our Zoom meetings with the Patreons or anything like that, John's computer um, has been through the ringer, and uh, he gets a little bit of a whistle on his uh, microphone. So I did my best to edit that out on here, um, but uh, just be aware of that. Um, in this podcast is going to be up on our YouTube page. Um, so if you haven't subscribed to our YouTube page, check that out. But the actual podcast itself from the vitals live, that recording of the video portion, um, is going to be on there. Um, I'm going to upload that as soon as I upload this. So, um, it should be on there, uh, nearly simultaneously. You can check that out at the Bowhunter Chronicles podcast, uh, YouTube page. And as you listen to this, you'll see why um, it's best digested as a video thing. Um, 
it's question and answer. Um, you can see uh, throughout this, what I'm doing is showcasing the things that we can do with the Vitals Live. Um, you know, we've got some questions directly for, for uh, Alex about the platform. We've got some um, questions uh, for John about hunting. And uh, then, you know, there were some other people that were attending, uh, just watching and typing and asking questions and I brought them in to answer some questions so there is a couple cameos by some of our friends um, and some guys that have been on the podcast in the past so um, actually one of the guys on this podcast is the most frequent guest on this podcast and uh, uh, shoot me a message if you can guess which guy it is and uh, I'll get you one of our new t-shirts sent out um, so the first person to get a hold of me and say, this is the most uh, frequent guest on your podcast, um, I'll get you one of the, the shirts. We've, we've got shirts and hats available for the people that were asking about those. Um, but like I said, this is a really fun episode and it showcases what we're doing. Um, and with our Patreon giveaway, you know, for all of our patrons uh, that help us out through uh, patreon.com forward slash bowhunter chronicles podcast um, what we do is uh, they donate to the show to help us uh, with equipment and uh, hosting fees and all that sort of thing and uh, we take that money and rather than use it for those things that would be helpful um, we buy a bunch of stuff and give it away so we're giving away uh, you know that the Tacticam Solo, we're giving away uh, from Basemap. Basemap helps us out. We're, we're running that this year, and uh, they give away one of their uh, subscriptions as well as a swag pack, hat shirt, and uh, some of that stuff. And um, there's also a code you can use Chronicles when you sign up on your computer to save you 20%. So, I mean, it ends up being like $24 for the year, and we give away one of those. Um, and then I try to give away something hunting related. So we're going to be giving away a set of bee sticks as well as um, a set of helium sticks. And uh, there'll probably be some more things added as we go along through this, um, this quarter. But those are the things that I've got uh, set up. But we do give a subscription out monthly for um, this Vitals Live platform, which showcases uh, John Eberhardt, Dan Infall. Uh, we've got some other things scheduled, uh, Greg Litzinger. And there are some uh, free uh, product, um, new up-and-coming companies um, that are free. So if you want to just check it out, you know, and see what it's all about, see how the, the platform works, uh, you can check that out at thevitalslive.com and you click on the schedule and it'll show you which ones are free, who's going to be on there. And um, we've got uh, the Ranch Ferry is going to be on there um, coming up in, uh, August and September, uh, as well, like I said, Greg, Greg Litzinger, and we've got some other guys that are on the schedule. Um, so definitely a real cool thing, but, um, you know, definitely check that out. You're going to like this. It's best digested, I think as a video. Um, but as you're listening along, you'll, you'll get the gist of it right off the bat. So I do my best to make it, uh, both palatable for just the audio listener, as well as the the full video thing, but you can check that out on our YouTube page. Again, you can check uh, out all the rest of that stuff at our Patreon page at patreon.com forward slash bowhunter chronicles podcast, or um, you can just go to our website, bowhunter chronicles podcast.com. And it's got all the information for uh, all this on there. It doesn't have a link to the vitals live, but I'll, I'll put one of those up there um, here very shortly. Um, 
aside from that, you know, if you, if you just want to listen, follow along, you know, we totally appreciate that. If you could tell somebody about the show, um, that helps us out, you know, gets us, you know, if you like this and you think this would be helpful for someone, um, let them know, uh, leave us a review. Um, you know, we get thousands and thousands of downloads and I don't think we're at a hundred reviews yet. So if you listen to the show and you like this, uh, you know, just leave us a review or click the, um, five star, one star, whatever you, you think we, we rate because that's the only way that we can get better. Um, but like I said, this one's fun. Uh, if you get a chance check it out on our YouTube page, please subscribe. And, um, and you're going to like it. It's really fun. And if you don't listen all the way to the end, you're going to miss out on some really awesome stuff because what happens at the end of this podcast, um, is probably the best, um, way to showcase, you know, how this vitals life platform works. And, uh, you can check that out on the YouTube page and I'm going to put some clips of that up, um, as I get to it, but I know you're going to like this one. Thanks everybody for listening and please give me some feedback on, on the platform, you know, how, how I did, um, you know, if you got questions for Alex, anything like that, uh, let me know and we will, uh, get those things addressed, but uh, thanks for listening. Enjoy the episode. Hey everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the Bowhunter Chronicles podcast. Tonight is a jumbled mess. It's uh, a whole bunch of things coming together. Um, which is how we usually work this. So right now we are live on the Vitals Live pod, uh, Vitals Live platform, doing our podcast as a web seminar, um, like uh, I've been doing, hosting, and helping out with um, for the past month and a half. So on here tonight is myself, John Borzma, John Eberhart. And the creator of this platform, the brainchild, uh, Alex Chop. And um, so, you know, some of the guys that are in this room have seen this before and they've been on the platform. They know everything about it. Um, for the listener, for the guys that are uh, popping in here, um, Alex, can you, um, I guess the guys that uh, even that have been in these, you know, we haven't really seen anything from Alex. We've only maybe seen that he's in the room or maybe that he's typed something here and there. So, um, can you give us a little bit of an introduction and like your hunting style and, 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 and kind of who we're, who we're talking with tonight, Alex? Yeah, for sure. Um, so my name is Alex Chop. Um, as Adam said, I, I guess you could say I'm responsible for the vitals live. Um, and, and the vitals live is largely a, a result of, uh, half incredible, an incredible amount of boredom during the pandemic, uh, and some, personal frustration just with uh, learning and finding information. Um, I'm from Grand Rapids, Michigan. I am an obsessive bow hunter, uh, thanks to my dad. Um, I learned to bow hunt, following him around in the UP. That's largely where I learned to scout. Uh, as I progressed uh, as a hunter, I moved uh, you know, over to John's books. I, I read all of his books, and, and that's why John was – actually my first call for this was because of how much I appreciated the information he shared in his books. Um, and uh, as far as my hunting style, I've never been able to focus 100% of my time as most people, right? Um, so I've, I've kind of learned to adapt and I've, I guess built my, my own process for, for trying to be successful in the woods year in and year out. 
uh, again, with limited time because we're dealing with a big, busy schedule. Um, so most of my hunting, uh, I've, I've never had any private land to hunt. So I've always been, you know, battling it out on public land all over the state. Um, hunted out. I grew up in Grand Rapids, like I said, so I spent a lot of time in the Ionia State game area. Um, now I hunt, um, on the southeast side of Michigan, which is where I live now. I live in Royal Oak. Um, and, and so my process, as far as hunting style is, is pretty simple. I, uh, I always have three to four spots that I consider test spots every year. I hunt them nonstop. I mess, you know, I, I really in John's world, mess them up. Right. Uh, I go in and I go after them hard and I just, I want to see what's going on there. And I hunt them a lot. I over hunt them. If they have potential, um, I'll kind of add them to my list. Um, so over time I've built kind of a portfolio of spots that I consider to be just, I mean, they're, they're just very consistent. I can tell you a three day span. If I get the right weather, uh, there will be a buck that I consider a shooter there. And, um, that's just how I've learned to manage my busy schedule over the years and, and still get an opportunity at some, some decent bucks. So. All right. So, uh, one of the things I'm going to bring up right now is because I feel like, you know, normally, um, I'm very professional and I have to uh, manage this. I, Alex, I think your phone is like, keeps pinging. Is that, is that you? That's one of the, yeah, turn, yeah, turn off is. your notifications. It's like that's the number. The, uh, bachelor party group text. So I'm sorry about <laughs> so, it. Yeah. I kept hearing it. What the hell? Yeah. That's the number one rule in podcasting. Um, I learned that from, uh, Kurt Geyer, the working class bow hunter, he said, as a pro tip, turn your notifications off. So that makes sense. No, <laughs> Nor- I didn't myself. I've never done anything like this. So you guys will all have to bear with me. So uh, that being the case, and for the guys that are uh, watching along that I ha- that have been uh, following along at, uh, for the entire time for these, uh, you'll notice I'm drinking a beer tonight. This is you know that's the way that podcasts are run too. So it, it's just kind I of the way that, that it, yeah. So. <laughs> Uh, that's, that's kind of how we operate, but never having done anything like this before and, um, having that, uh, basis, right. Why, uh, bring this to fruition? I mean, yes, everybody has a bit of frustration and they do, you know, uh, all sorts of things and there's podcasts out there and there's everything, but you know, so why, why put yourself, I mean, because at some point you had to have said, well, man, if I can't find somebody to do this, I'm going to have to be the guy, right? Yeah. So a um, couple things. So you, as far as the personal frustration goes, you know, honestly, I've just been frustrated finding information in the past, not just hunting wise, just in general. And um, this just popped into my head. This was just a random thought that, you know, started to seem like a better idea as things moved along. And I just, you know, I had the time during this pandemic when my, my day job was basically completely shut down. So I'm like, what the hell? Let's, let's give it a shot. Um, but, you know, I think that for me personally, there's also room for personal growth, right? Like, I mean, I, I'd like to put myself out there a little more. Um, you know, I'm involved with the, uh, another hunting company and eventually we're going to have to be doing more of these things. So, um, this was somewhat selfish, right? That 
I did. I wanted to start to put myself out there, at least start learning. Because if you're not learning, you're just treading water, right? You're not. You're not progressing. Um, so I, I, I really believe in making yourself uncomfortable, and that's how you progress as a person. So excellent transition. Let's talk about making people uncomfortable. Uh, John Borsma, we just uh, were talking to. Um, we were on the Surfside podcast, and they were asking us about. Um, where our podcast came from and those ideas. And then it kind of spawned into this sort of conversation about like things that we've taken away since we've been podcasting and things like that. Um, where do you see the value for yourself? I mean, cause you're very analytical, you're, you know, so, and what are some frustrations just with straight podcasts that you've encountered? There goes the phone again. And yeah, uh, so that's, that's the number one frustration right there. <laughs> I'm leaving the conversation. <laughs> uh, no, I mean, I guess the takeaway, I mean, what was the question? I mean, so, I'll add it again So it was so, very long. <laughs> That's what I do. So from that, uh, from listening to podcasts and things like that, like where do you um, – get your information or how, how do you see, is it, is it more of listening to a long form uh, conversation and working through it? Cause I know a lot of times, like the whole time you are already answering the question that's being asked as it's, as it's happening. Um, so when you're trying to draw information from podcasts and from uh, learning platforms now in this new day and age where back in the day it was books and magazines and articles and things like that. So, I mean, what are you looking for in a, in a in podcast, a in a, you know, in, in an, a, a digital learning thing? Because we talked about, um, you know, uh, the Elk 101 type thing and, and whatever. Right. Like, well, I like, I mean, Cody Rich has a really good one. I mean, I look for the information. I mean, like right now, getting ready for help. So I'm going through and I'm, I use Podbean. So I look through and I look at all my, uh, the ones I subscribe to and, you know, find something that looks interesting. And then I just go through, I'll kind of like skim over the outline on it usually. And then, then I'll just start listening to it. I mean, I got a lot of time during the day. I'll be out working on the garden, you know, working on the house. And so I just listen to them. Uh, you know, some of, sometimes, yeah, you know, it gets off topic. I mean, obviously that's one, like we always get off topic. But, that's the beer. <laughs> right. Uh, but, you know, I mean, I just have enough time to go through them all and you know, pick and choose which ones are good and find information I'm looking for. But, you know, I have Eberhardt's books, and, and you know, I still will skim through those once in a while. I mean, there's all kinds of information out there, I and mean, YouTube, uh, this new platform. Like when we first started doing these Zoom meetings, you know, that was like that, I mean, that was kind of uh, refreshing, actually, getting to see and interacting with the people. You know, like our our Patreons and stuff like that. It's you know, it's actually been a good thing. So okay. And, and I, yeah, and I was just looking to transition that into you, Alex, just by saying, you know, one of the things that you're trying to, to do with this, or I guess what are your goals with this platform here? Yeah, so I actually, um, I took a picture of the original, like, concept drawing I did when I was sitting there brainstorming, trying to get my thoughts together. So I'm going to show that, which will also kind of 
show you some of the capabilities here. Um, and this just kind of goes through a thought, thought process of how somebody learns. And I, sh I guess I should rephrase that, how I think about learning in the process that goes through my head, right? Um, and so you can, can you guys see my screen okay? Yeah. Yep. We can see that. You can see this uh, document here. Yep. So this was the sketch. It's a really simple sketch, right? But I just, um, you know, when I was going through this process of trying to put this platform together, I just, I thought about it. And, and you know, another thing that I forgot to mention earlier is that one of the other things that I, I see all the time is people post on Facebook. They'll post a random question. It's actually a very, um, it's a, it's a question that requires an in-depth answer and it requires an answer for somebody who, uh, is an expert like, like John or Dan or, uh, Garrett, you know, somebody who knows what they're talking about. And when they post it on Facebook, they end up getting this like long drawn out, uh, random spitting of, of answers. And that was another, I mean, I was frustrated for them. I would, I never post questions like that, but, um, so anyway, I went through this process and I said, okay, so if you have a question, what do you do? You sit there and you think, how do I get the answer to that question? But the problem is, is that how involves so many details. Who's going to answer it? Where are they going to answer it? When? So, you know, if I have a question about hunting, hands down, me personally, I want John or Dan answering it. And, and both of them have different styles. And they may, uh, you know, certain questions may be better for Dan and certain questions might be better for John. So instead of going and scouring through a bunch of, um, you know, YouTube videos from every vendor in the world and, and, and just scouring the internet for, for what I'm looking for, I wanted to bring that all uh, to one place. I wanted all of the information, all of the sources to be in one place in a very, very structured format. So that if you have one of those questions that's specific, it's about strategy, it's a, it's a question that's meant for somebody who's been doing this and has been successful for a long time. I wanted to create something where you know exactly where to go. You know when to go there and you know how to find the answer. Um, so that, that was really the main goal for me. And again, it was just personal frustration on my part. So, Okay, and I took that down. Um, so... As one of the cool things about this platform and, and for people that aren't watching this uh, in real time, we're going to have this up. So we'll be able to put it on our YouTube and Alex will be able to use it with uh, with the vitals live. But so as the all these panelists and, you know, whoever's the host or whatever has the control of the screen, you can take and move things around. And, and so, you know, he's he's sitting there talking just with a graphic up, you know, uh, with John Eberhart, we've been doing these and he'll pull up a, his screen and, um, you know, then he'll be doing something on the side and I, I don't have the viewer view, so I don't know if they can see him dancing around, putting on a saddle, pantomiming, hanging off the side of a tree or, or, or whatever. Um, so I, I think they would like to catch that. So I, I'll take his screen down occasionally. And so for you, John Eberhart, being uh an author an old school guy uh, uh self-proclaimed not very techy um what are you thinking of this whole process and uh and how it's all coming to be coming to be well when alex called me i don't think a lot of people know what alex does he's a very professional person he actually teaches 
he's a medical instrument rep and he teaches doctors that do what do you call that kind of surgery where you stick the camera down inside? <laughs> I do all, all urology procedures. Uh, I work for Olympus and sell the cameras that go in your body. But you also teach the doctors and you sit in on operations, teach them and kind of tell doctors and staff what to do. So, so Alex is an extremely techie person and I am not. And this format has been done in, being done in other avenues, other industries. And Alex is kind of ahead, ahead of the curve. You know, when he called me, he, he asked if I'd be interested in, you know, being a, a guest speaker or guest whatever. He called me. <laughs> but, uh, and I said, yeah, you know, anything that's new. And uh, the hunting industry is really small compared to a lot of other industries. You know, we might think it's big, but it's really small in comparison to a lot of other stuff. And uh, so this is new to the hunting industry. And uh, I, I believe this is the first time this has ever been. Done. And so it's going to be a process, and uh, I, I think there's going to be some tweaks down the road, and you know, and, and but uh, I sure hope it will work moving forward. We've got some really good guests lined up. I know uh, uh, I've got a text from Zach from Hunting Public, Tom Nelson from American Archer, and uh, you know, a lot of people that want to want to do this. It's just a matter of fitting into their schedule. Yeah, and, that's and I'm all willing. I'm always willing to help people. That that's what you know. I do. I do a lot of podcasts. That's what I write articles for. I want people to be the best that they can be. I don't like to be greedy. And I did want to mention something to Charlie because I think Charlie was on here and he asked that question about that uh, crop crops budding up public land yesterday. And I mentioned prepping a tree along a crop field if he thinks it's going to be in standing corn. I just wanted to also say because I. I mentioned to do his rattle sequence in the morning. He should also do it about a half hour before dark. And he should expect his shot to come in the cornfield. In other words, the buck would come probably from the cornfield. He would not come out of the corn. He'd probably have to shoot it in the corn. So I just wanted to throw that because I forgot to mention that last one. Yeah, and so, so what John's talking about, and one of the things I think that's very interesting about this is, you know, if you're listening to this as a, as a podcast traditionally, and that's how we're going to put it out amongst other things is you are generally, uh, everything is scenario based, right? So what's ended up happening is you're saying, well, you know, this one time when I was in Kansas, I hunted near some corn and, you know, I I've rattled in bucks and I've rattled in bucks here, there, or everywhere. And, and for a guy like Charlie, um, who was able to last night come on here with a video. So, you know, you can make eye contact, you can see whether he's understanding or not. Um, and, and, you know, and if John is, is understanding your question and ask a very specific question about big timber, Minnesota next to crop fields, and then, you know, by having these, I guess, so frequently, John's able to come back on here and see that Charlie's here and say, hey, I just want to follow up. Uh, and so that's something where with a traditional podcast, YouTube, something like that, like you might be able to ask a question via comment and you might get something back. Uh, but right now what, what we're allowing, uh, you know, w- what's happening is is I can take over um, and I can just bring Charlie up and, you know, they can have that conversation. So that's one of the pretty cool things that's, uh, that's able to happen. Um, 
And so I, I guess, Alex, from that, you know, we're talking about, you know, kind of the idea and now it's come to fruition. Um, and uh, I know with everything that you've got going on, it's, you know, somewhat probably super stressful. Um, but where do you see this going in the, into the future? And like, what do we have lined up? Um, you know, what are you doing with this information then? Um, yeah, so we currently we take all of the live sessions, right? And we record them. And this kind of uh, touches on part of the reason for how this platform is designed, right? Because everybody learns in different ways. For me, if you had me listen to something, I, I don't, I can't retain anything without a visual. Some people can read a book and retain the entire book. I can't do that either. I actually need a combination of the two to retain any kind of information. So uh, point being is everybody learns in different ways and we want to be able to offer the information in all of the different ways. So all of the live sessions are recorded and searchable by expert. Um, and then we take that a step further. And admittedly, we are behind on this right now because they're sharing so much incredible information but we're taking those recorded sessions and we're cutting them down into short, um, like TikTok esque three minute videos that are literally titled with how does John Eberhardt target moon phases? What does John Eberhardt think about the weather? Things like that. And all of that is even more searchable, like Adam talked about earlier, where you'll be able to search certain tags like weather, moon. Uh, time phase of the season um, so on and so forth right so we're slowly building this database that eventually I mean it already is extremely informative you can go on there and if you've hunted for 25 years you're still going to learn some stuff on there I, I guarantee it um, so that's the end goal is to have this database that's 100% searchable so that when you do, in fact, have a question, you can literally go search that question and up will pop a video of John or Dan or Garrett, Mario, any of these incredible uh, hunters, and they're going to answer your question. So um, that's really the goal. And if you ask a question about what to plant in a 100-acre uh, <laughs> clear cut, you'll get a not professional answer from uh not a very good hunter like myself. So hey, I thought that was a good answer. <laughs> well, you have to say that, I think. Um, <laughs> so I want to open this up just, like I say, to anybody on here that has any questions because um, it's it, it's somewhat rare to be able to watch, interact. Uh, there's a few platforms that are out there that you can um, that you that you can follow up and uh, ask questions, but. As of right now, uh, there's not. So if I'm, I'm waiting for some uh, somebody to jump on, otherwise I'm just going to promote somebody. Um, so that's going to be uh, – looks like we're – I'm going to go ahead and try and bring on uh, Walter here. We got here. a hand raised. Okay. Let's see. All right. Here we go. Matt. Matt, we're going to bring you up here. Um, let's see here. Um, we're going to unmute you. All right. Can you hear us? Yes, I can. All right. So you had a question. 
Yeah, uh, you guys talk a lot about, you know, getting tactic talk from John and Dan, and those are all whitetail specific. I was wondering if that's going to be expanded upon in the future to, you know, you start going out elk and mule deer and other guests. Um, yes, that that's the goal. So this is kind of a, our proof of concept, right? If this this works and uh, it seems like people have an interest in it, absolutely this will be expanded uh i'm a huge fisherman as well um so i'd love this i'd love to make this available you know on a very broad scale in the outdoor industry so i will can i can you guys hear me yep yeah uh you know like when tom nelson comes on uh he's under contract with cabela's so i don't think he can come out until january um but he's hunted for everything. And I'm sure you could ask Tom Nelson a question about any species because he's pretty much done it all. And there will be guests that have hunted. I'm, I'm a, you know, I've shot two elk on public land in Cal or in Colorado. Uh, but I am by no means an elk expert, but uh, Tom Nelson, I would consider an expert. And I'm sure there will be experts in bear hunting and elk hunting and, you know, antelope or wolf, mule deer or whatever. And that's the plan. Okay, and then I just made Matt back into a uh, just a regular uh, attendee, so now he can't talk or anything like that. So if he's wondering why aren't they answering, answering my question now, uh, I've demoted him uh, to regular attendee for people that are you know listening to this. That's kind of like what we can do. So we're going to bring on um, our good friend Tom Taylor, who's got his hand raised, and uh, he's got a question. We are going to unmute him. And uh, we'll see. I think he's got to agree to it because it tells me to. mute. All right. Here we go. How are you doing tonight, Tom? I'm doing great. How are you guys doing? Good. Good. Hi, Tom. Can you hear me all right? Yeah. All right. Um, I got a a real life uh, oh, a strategy question, I guess, for John. Um, I travel around the state a lot work i'm never know where i'm going to be from day to day week to week um i hunt a lot of state land i think 20 to 21 of my sets last year were on new pieces of state land that i had never seen before other than you know e-scouting or looking at some maps what specific terrain for south South, southern Michigan, southern half of Lower Peninsula. What specific terrain, if you had to go into a cold piece like that, would you key in on um, on public land? Well, it would depend on the time of season. You know, rut or early season, early season, I would definitely key in on uh, oaks, and I would want them absolutely as tight to security cover as possible. In other words, uh, there was a cattail marsh or a, a swamp with water in it and dry humps in the in the swamp, you know, where deer could bed. And there was oaks right on the right on the perimeter. That would be where I would probably look to set up because Michigan's a unique state. It's very, very difficult on public land and bucks are pretty pretty nocturnal. So you're you're not gonna get a, a buck that's gonna be very far during daylight hours, very far away from security cover. And like on an evening hunt, you know, a buck 
may come out of the security cover of a marsh or a cattail marsh or a swamp uh, or cut over tall saplings or something like that or standing corn. He might come out of that heavy security cover, uh, but it's going to be in the last five to ten minutes before dark, so he's not going to go very far. If there's something, some sort of a mass tree that he could eat right on the edge, that's what he's going to do. One of the biggest bucks I ever shot was a big 12 point was on public land in December. And it was right on the edge of a big tall weed, 12 foot tall weeds, uh, after gun season. And now this was not in Michigan. So this was in Illinois, mid, uh, mid December, but it was right on the edge of a big tall weed field. And there was a locust tree that drops those big long beans. And, uh, we had a lot of snow, we had like eight inches of snow. And they were the easiest food source for the deer to eat because just one one paw in the snow underneath that tree and four or five of those big long bean pods popped up. The snow was too deep for them to eat acorns because they had to dig too much for it. Most of the acorns probably been scarfed up by the turkeys and the deer prior to December. So uh, I would definitely key on mass trees as close to uh, bedding areas where, you know, the densest bedding areas that I can because by what you sound like you're doing, when you're hunting that many pieces of public land, you're doing a lot of freelancing. You're obviously doing a lot of freelancing if you're hunting, you know, 15 different parcels of public land. You can't walk in, and they're almost all evening hunts, because you can't walk in in the morning in the dark and find a place to hunt. That's pretty much impossible, so it's got to be afternoon. So um, I, that's, that's what I'd pee on. I'd pee on food. Food would have to be very, very tight to security cover. So one thing that you talked about last night, John, that I hadn't heard before, and uh, I, I turned Tom's audio off, so uh, he's back to attendee, but one of the things I know he does a lot of e-scouting and, and things like that. Um, one thing that comes to mind that you'd mentioned last night that was some good information was the um, those terrain dumps. Um you know, So can you mention that a little bit? Because I think that was some pretty good insight that – uh, it ended up that I knew that I was hunting when you said it, but I, it never kind of clicked until then. Yeah, it's where a terrain dump is basically where maybe an oak ridge, you know, drops off on one side. Obviously, if you're going to have a stand of trees, hardwood trees, it's going to be on dry ground. And a lot of times that'll drop off into some sort of marsh, cattails, or there may be a stand of pines next to it or a stand of see it next to a tall CRV field. Basically, a terrain dump is where several different terrain features, two or three, sometimes even four, all kind of come together in one spot. And uh, Here in central Michigan, I've got two spots like that, and I just found another one, uh, which it's actually going to be my next YouTube post. Uh, I just found one on public land down in southern Michigan, and it was... It's definitely a terrain feature dump. There's a big sand pines up on a hill, uh, autumn olive coming down, and there's this opening. There's a cattail marsh on one side. It's just where a lot of stuff comes together, and there's a little small opening surrounded by everything else. Just dense cover. Um, and there's scrapes in that opening, because anytime you find a small opening um, in a terrain feature dump, there's going to be scrapes in it, because there's no, there's no activity. Wherever there's no activity, there's going to be fun. I would all, you know, if, 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 what was his name, Matt? Tom. Tom? 
Tom, I would also, if it's something where you're no beer, you're going to be going back to those properties, you know, next fall, it's kind of late for this year, but if you know where you're going to be working next fall, you know, I would go during postseason and I would actually scout the public lands that are close to where you know you're going to be working next fall. Because you can do a lot more scouting and you can find a lot more, you can find a lot more about a piece of property when all the foliage is down and all the sign is still there from last fall and you can beat the crap out of the property without being fearful to spook your deer. Um, you know, you can just do a lot more during, during postseason than you can do going in preseason or the day you're actually going to hunt and freelance in. You know, that that's a flying by the seat of your ass in my opinion. Preseason scouting, to me, is a waste of time in a state like Michigan. Because you're spooking stuff, you're altering deer traffic, and you're turning bucks nocturnal. The bucks I want to kill, I'm turning nocturnal by just being woods. Um, so during postseason, you can go in, and then when you go in during postseason, you can actually look for stuff beyond just a mass tree on the edge of cover or a train feature dump, or like I mentioned yesterday about Dave when he was hunting in Iowa. You know, he was following this river and. It had real high banks, and then there was an area where the river was flat on both sides. And you were crossing there because it was shallower, and there were scrapes and runways all over the place because it was basically a river funnel. And, you know, he found that. But when you go out there in postseason, you can actually scout and, you know, prep locations in bedding areas. And when you get into the rut phases, that's where the bucks breed the does. Mature bucks, they push the does down into those bedding areas, and that's where they spend most of their day breeding goats. So, um, you know, you can't go in during season or during preseason and, and scout bedding areas without buttering them up. So that's one unique thing about postseason as well. And then if you know you're going to go back, you can hunt those, you know, next year when you go back. So um, right now we kind of uh, – I've, I've kind of hijacked the show here a little bit. Um, just – to kind of showcase some of the things that we can do. And we're going to get back to that here in just a second, but I've got other um, questions coming in, basically directed towards you, Alex, for the, the platform. So I'm, I'm not trying to not make this about the, the platform, Alex. I, I'm just, no, this yeah. is the point. You know, <laughs> let, let the audience drive the conversation, right? Yeah, so. most certainly. So, um, We've got a couple of different questions about the searchability um, and then he's uh, in kind of like what that's going to look like on those vital cuts. You know, how are you going? How is that going to be organized? Where is it going to be? Who's going to be available to um, that sort of thing? And then um, uh, Jason, who has been on here, like I say, almost every single one of these um, is saying it looked like there was a forum on your drawing. And so what does that look like in the future? Um, so I guess the, the first question is uh, to answer the first question about the searchability of the videos. So we're able to go in and tag. This is just very simple, right? We can tag these videos. I manually tag with, um, you know, for the vital cuts, right? The little short snippets. Those are easy, you know, because it's one topic. So, uh, and, and the point, the, the, the topic of those little cuts is obvious and it's supposed to be obvious. So those are just simply tagged with, you know, weather, uh, 
you know, rut strategy. I'll, I'll put in, you know, five of them or so for, for each video. So um, that way, if there's five relevant terms, but for some of them, there's only one relevant term, weather. So it's just a manual process of me going in and tagging them. And then you'll be able to see a list of these tags that you can click. Um, you can also, I also tag them with the expert that, you know, is running through it. So if you're a guy that um, is hunting in, primarily in Michigan, um, you probably want to be watching, you, you probably want most of your information from John. So you can go in and, and search John. Now, if you're out in Minnesota or Wisconsin, you've got Dan and Garrett out there. Or maybe it's a gear-related question, right? That's Garrett Prawl all day and probably, you know, you could search all of his videos and watch them like that. Um, so that's how we're doing it now. And uh, that search functionality is going to have to be optimized over time with the help of everybody who's a part of this, right? We need to learn how we can optimize that search function because, again, everybody learns a little bit different. We want to make sure that the options for um, making that as easy as possible. But that's how it works right now. Search a topic, relevant videos come up. So, hey Adam. Yes, sir. Can I mention something to that gentleman earlier? Uh, wanted to know something about you know whether we were going to talk about elk hunting and stuff. One thing I did want to say about elk hunting: uh, I've, I've been out twice. I've shot two bulls in public land, and I thought it was very similar and much easier than whitetail hunting. Um, I found that everybody, all the people that were out there bow hunting, you know, stayed within a quarter to three-eighths of a mile from roads. And I found some places up on top at like eight to 9,000 feet. We were camped at about 5,000 feet where the uh, elk were bedding. Uh, you know, that's where they were going down into the meadows in the evening, coming back in the morning or just before daylight. So I did just what I do when I'm whitetail hunting. I got up at 3 a.m. and I was up on top of that mountain about an hour before daylight in the areas where they, where I butted them up for bedding, uh, you know, the two days prior. And they came right up and they were right there, right around me. That, that's how that happened. So it was, it was exactly the same. You just had to get in there. I just got in there and got up, up the mountain way, way before the elk came back up. This has been, you must have been, uh, doing your scent free. Oh. No, I wasn't. No, <laughs> got thermals go upward morning, so I was above. <laughs> Say, uh, as you're, you know, the, in the early morning, and you know, it's still cold, the thermals are still coming down, and as the sun comes up and heats up, then they start going back up. No, I I was not wearing something. That was a '97 and '99. All right. Well, we're going to get to another question here. We're going to see if we can. Bring on somebody with a video here. Let's say, all right. Let's see. Hey, there he is. All you right. <laughs> What's up, gentlemen? How's it going, Walter? It's going good, Alex. Love the platform. This seems like a really cool idea. This is really, really hey. a neat thing, man. Keep, keep, keep pushing forward with this one. Got a question for John. It's easy to learn things from successful hunts. We know you are perhaps one of the most successful bow hunters out there, but I want to hear about one of the hunts that didn't go right and what you learned from that hunt. Tell us about the one that got away. Which one? 
<laughs> okay, uh, probably the one that I think of the most was earlier in my career. It would have been in late late seventies, and I was hunting in a saddle. Had two, had a ridge on each side, and it was a cuddle. So there were saplings on both sides, and then at the bottom of the saddle, it was actually just small weeds. And I was in an oak, kind of at one end of the saddle, so the deer were actually coming out of the saplings, and they were probably eight to ten feet tall saplings. They were the does and fawns and sporting bucks were coming out of the saplings, coming down into the saddle, and then filtering out by me into some more oaks. So more open area and this was up in northern michigan and it was during a it was during pre-rut and all of a sudden this monster buck and when i say monster back then you hardly ever saw a two and a half year old nine inch i mean we had a million gun hunters and there was nobody passed up anything so i mean you rarely saw a two-year-old and this buck came down out of the saplings on on the one side and he was probably I'm guessing he was 140 inches, which was something that was totally, you just didn't see 140 inches. That was an anomaly by far. And he came down and he stopped at about 35 yards from my tree. And I had a 35 yard pin. Now I had already had 11 does and fawns, one, I think it was six point, had already walked down through that saddle and walked right by my tree within like 12 yards. And he's standing right where they had came down and came through. Sure. So he's 35 yards, broadside, beautiful afternoon. It was like an hour and a half before dark, just standing there, you know, just testing the, testing the wind. I had a 35-yard pin. I shot leagues a lot, 35 yards back then. That was when I had a compound. Uh, it was a chip shot. And uh, I drew my bow, and I said, you know what? All these other deer... It came down right by me, like 12 yard broadside, and he's right where they came through. So there's no reason whatsoever for him not to follow them and go out the same way they did. So I let the bow up, and he just stood there. And all of a sudden, he just took off up the other side of the the ridge, up into those other saplings. And when he got up there. I saw a doe up there kind of run back into the sapling. So there was a doe there that he saw or winded that I did not know was there. So that would have been my biggest buck by far at that time. And I had a shot that I know I would have been able to kill him. It was dead broadside, a big deer, 35 yards. And I passed it up thinking I would get a better shot. And so I learned at that point in time, when you get the first shot that you think You've got a 90% chance of making and making a kill, and it was dead broadside. Take it. And so, Walter, I didn't turn you off on this one because, um, you know, you're used to asking questions and, and that's not an issue. And you've been, uh, so I've said this on the podcast before. I say it every time I talk to Walter, but Walter's the one, when I was getting into podcasting, I reached out to him and I said, <laughs> What can I do? You know, what advice do you have for me? And he said, don't do it. He said, don't start a hunting podcast. And that's a honest to God truth. He told me, stay out of my space. Um, So if, 
Alex were to ask you that same question, what advice would you have for him, uh, you know, for this platform going forward, seeing it, you know, kind of, uh, in the infancy and, and kind of, uh, yeah. seeing where it's, it's going. Oh, well, first off, let me just clarify. I wasn't being territorial. This was at the boom of when everybody was buying microphones and starting podcasts. And it was just kind of easy. I heard, I was hearing from a lot of people that their podcasts were getting lost in that shuffle. And for me, I thought if you waited maybe six months that if he had dropped it, it would have been a little easier. So, um, Adam's become a close friend of mine. We talk pretty frequently, but, um, I think my advice to everyone who wants to do something like this is always find some way of doing it better or being unique, both of which are, are good things. And I found that competition is a great thing because iron sharpens iron, steel sharpens steel. So by having Adam out there and listening to how he hosts, I've been able to become a better uh, uh, podcast host myself. But I, I think, I think my advice for you is you, you've kind of got your own little niche here, right? You're going to find people who are willing to invest in you and what you're investing in when they, when they join this. And I would caution that as growth continues, if it hits a lull or something like that, to just maybe press on before adapting too much, because sometimes it's easy to think maybe you aren't doing the right thing. And, you know, you just plateau periodically and staying true to what you have right now, I think would be insanely valuable moving forward. And it, it may take some time, especially given the format that you have, it's going to be a little more um, exclusive, right? People are going to have to, to buy into to what you're doing and how it's different, but that is your target audience. And it may just be different than what it is for Adam, who's got his own niche or what I've got down here in Florida and uh, just stay the course. Cause I think you've done all the homework to have a really success, su successful product and podcast and media outlet don't let other influences really sh take you off course because you've done everything that little chart that diagram you did was absolutely awesome to see because i didn't do that until like a year into it and really you know channeled myself and and focused what i was doing and adam played a big part of that actually <laughs> well i appreciate Thanks, that appreciate that so. all right we'll, we'll sign you off here walter and uh, we'll make you. But yeah, like like I say, you know, for those that are just listening to the podcast, uh, I had him up on the video. Um, he was able to, you know, look me in the eye when he lied and said that uh, he just wanted me to wait six months. So uh, I could see right through that because he's a ginger. He doesn't have a soul. Um, but um, so, so Alex, for you, how has this been? Uh, how long... You know, this was a pretty rapid uh, thing. So with uh, what are we seeing? What can we expect in terms of like growing pains or this or that, you know, as we go through this and, and you know, how do you kind of put out those fires? Because where John and I, Walt, and uh, I'm a little disappointed we had uh, another guy that had a question on here, but it looks like he had to get off. Um what do you, you know, we, we don't have to do this in real time. If it, if everything goes sideways, I can say, well, can we just do this tomorrow? Or I just don't have to publish it or whatever. Everything that, that's happening is happening live in, in real time. Um, so, you know, what can we expect? Because it has been such a quick uh, thing. And then how, do, what do you have in store for those types of situations? Um. Well, 
as far as a um, troubleshooting plan, I, I don't have one. Um, so that's, you know, a learning <laughs> process. Um, you know, it is, it's live, right? Anything live is, it is what it is. It's, it's, it's pure and we can't change what happens because it's happening and it's being viewed in real time. Um, so, you know, I guess in a way that could be seen as a disadvantage, but I think it also adds to, so, you know, some, a lot of the hunting YouTube channels or certainly the outdoor network, right? Nothing against any of that. But for me, it's very entertainment focused. Like, I, I don't, I don't watch any of that unless I want some entertainment. If I want pure information, I come here. And I think that, um, we have to have this live to really get that experience of a premium, a, a premium educational experience. You know, for anybody who, I mean, just think back to school, right? If you have a question that pops into your head in the moment, you can raise your hand and ask the question right then and there in that, in that moment when you have the thought. And for me personally, I need that to learn. I can't, you know, I need real time feedback on what's happening in my head, if that makes sense. So um, there are going to be challenges and there already have been, right? I mean, anybody who was here for Garrett's session, um, we learned that his internet isn't the best or, or some connection he's on isn't the best. Well, in that scenario, we started to lose audio. So what we had to do is actually transfer the audio from his computer to his phone and he had to hold his phone and we were able to get the audio, but it certainly isn't perfect. And that's part of this whole proof of concept. If this works and we continue to grow, um, to be blunt financially, this whole thing will be rebuilt into a full blown platform. Keep in mind, I have no idea how to code and I'm the one coding this website. So, uh, issues exist and there's just, there's no way around it. Um, web development is absurdly expensive. I would have went completely broke. We, we'd be done already, right? If, if I had it built out, but that is what you'll see in the future. Um, and, and reinvesting in the technology is very important to me. I have goals of bringing this into the woods so that you're not just sitting in a room like this with John, you're, you're hunting with John and you're scouting with John. That that's my goal for this. So, um, that's kind of the progression of the technology in my head, at least. So I don't know if that answers your question. I hope I didn't go on a tangent. Yeah, that's fine. Another uh, question had popped up here and I'll bring on, uh, Charlie here in a second. Uh, but I was going to ask our John. Um, so John Borisma, Bowhunter Chronicles podcast. Uh, thanks for tuning in tonight. Um, what, uh, what questions do you have, uh, about this or what's your take? Because this is kind of like, not unlike a lot of our other podcasts where I'm telling you, Hey, this is where you got to be. This is what you got to do. Um, but you know, you're, you're a little bit familiar with the the platform, but what are your thoughts? Because I know that our listeners value your opinion quite a bit. No, like, I mean, like I said kind of earlier in this, you know, session, um, it, when, when this COVID thing started and we started doing Zoom meetings, this actually is way more uh, informational to me, you know, being able to sit and actually, you know, talk to John or even, you know, even if I was just an attendee, which most of the time I am, you know, just watching you guys and listening to Adam's questions, but no, this is 
this is a great platform that can, you know, it's only going to get better, I believe. Well, and you remembered when we started out, like, again, we talked about that a little bit last night on another podcast, but like when we started out, we didn't know what we were doing. And, you know, to a point, you know, every single time I have a podcast, you know, I'm setting the stuff up and John's like, you would think after a hundred, however many episodes, you'd be able to figure this out. You know, it's like, there's so many chords. There are so many things there's, it's, it's just, you know, I'll get there. Um, but yeah, so- I mean, it is quite, quite a, quite a process, right? This whole thing is a learning process, in my opinion. And, you know, it's like when I wrote my first book, you know, I sucked in English. I almost didn't graduate from high school because I was so bad in English. And making a leap to write a book was a big, big challenge to me. And it was totally out of my comfort level. Um, doing seminars, when I started doing seminars in front of big crowds, that was totally out of my comfort level. I came from a pretty meager background. So, you know, if this is something new and it's chancy and, and it's going to develop, I think it has an opportunity to develop into something huge. You know, when Alex was talking to me about taking cameras out into the woods to be live, show what you're doing, prepping a tree or looking at this location. And, okay, why is, how do you enter this location? How do you exit this location? There's just so many things you can do. And we're just groundbreaking this, this territory in the hunting community. So. You know, I look at it that aspect. And Alex, this I'm, I'm surprised that this hasn't come up yet, and I I'm remiss because I have I didn't ask the question. We didn't put this out right at the beginning. Um, but Charlie's question is probably the question that that everybody has, and I think it kind of even goes back to what Walter was saying when there was this podcast boom and everybody wanted to get into it. Um, his question is, and I'll read it to you specifically was, do you plan on keeping this platform as is experts sharing how they are successful or is the intent to incorporate sponsorships and things down the road? Um, and I, like I said, I'm, I'm very remiss for not asking this cause I know this is something that's very important to you. Um, yeah. So the, the reason that this is a, a paid platform, um, is, is the answer to this question, right? We, we don't, we want this to be completely pure information with no outside influence. I'm involved with the hunting company. John's involved with the hunting company. I don't, you know, you guys might be as well. But, but what happens here is supposed to be just pure learning and, and pure information on how to make you more successful in the woods. This, you know, and this might sound cliche, but this is real. If people aren't successful in the woods, they're not going to keep hunting because hunting can be, a, it can kick your ass if, if, if you let it. Right. And so, um, this, it's very important to me that this information stays pure. Um, now with that being said, I think that there's value in having information from industry, right? So you've seen some of the sessions, anybody who's looked at the schedule has seen startup spotlights. The point of that is, uh, there's a couple points of it. First of all, it, I'm a big proponent of small business. I love it. I'm passionate about it. I love entrepreneurship. I really do. So I, I want to help those people as much as possible, especially in the hunting world. Um, but two, for the viewers, you're going to be seeing some really exciting technology. In fact, at the end of this month, we have a, 
a brand new artificial intelligence company coming on that is just, I mean, this guy, he's so passionate about what he does. And when you learn what he's doing with data mining and how he's applying that to hunting, well, if you're anything like me, you're, you're just, you're shocked like, that there's somebody out there doing this. And I think that's really, really cool. As long as it doesn't, you know, affect the strategy or, or whatever the, the intent of certain sessions are, as long as it's kept separate, I think it's valuable. So my goal is to not have any sponsors, um, just to keep the information pure. So, yeah, that, that goes along with kind of like what, you know, John and I, you know, to a point, he, um, only likes the most expensive gear in the whole wide world. So, um, it, it, that isn't for everybody. And I love gear and I just will, and it's just, I don't know, like a, that's like my weakness. Like I'll buy that. I'll buy that. I'll buy that. But I want to know about it. So I want to be able to test it and see it and, and, you know, figure out what it is where, you know, with John's mind, he can kind of look at it and see the weaknesses and see, well, that's not going to work or, or, or this or that. But I, I like to, to do that. And the same thing, like when we do have a guest on our show, um, that it has some sort of a product or, or whatever. Um, I mean, we've not had a lot of guests on because it's either something that we wouldn't use or can't use or, um, have it had in our hands, you know? So it, it's really difficult to, to ask informed questions with a product that you've never seen. And you can say, well, yeah, that sounds like a great idea. Everything sounds like a great idea or they wouldn't have come up with it. Um, so in this case, using this platform for a new company, a new product, something like that, you're able to actually ask the people that are making it without having to purchase it. And, you know, I, I can see where there's a, there's, you know, somewhat of a conflict there because, um, you can actually, I mean, that uh, it's kind of like what I said, like when we are at ATA and you're in the small market circle there and there, I mean, it, uh, both the Johns, you guys have been to ATA. I don't know if you've been there, Alex, but there's guys that have everything under the sun, you know, beef jerky stand to like a, a stick drilled into a wall. There's a thing where you can put a, a Halloween decoration in your tree stand. So it looks like there's a guy there. So the deer get used to it. That's the premise, right? And every time you walk by those people, it's like, I feel like I'm pissing on their dreams. Like, because they're there and they're like, they obviously thought it was a good idea. They spent the money to buy a booth at ATA and spent the big money to go there to try to get this into stores and things like that. So asking the owners of companies, I mean, obviously they think it's a great idea and it's their passion. So you're, you're going to get, I, that's why I like to have the item in my hand. Uh, but if you can't do that, um, you know, the next best thing would be able to talk to them and, and, and kind of parse out the things that you want. Um, so another thing, you know, that we've got going on here, uh, Charlie has his hand raised. So we will, bring him in Charlie. all right uh unmute him yep all right charlie so you should be up on the screen yeah i just want to thank you alex this platform's amazing um 
the educational. Your answer was perfect, what I was hoping to hear on the sponsorships. I had reached the point with my family being told what to do with box stores, trying to figure this out, uh, going back to fishing or find something else. Um, so I just wanted to get on and personally thank you that the educational versus entertainment value of this is phenomenal. Um, thank you. Appreciate all the experts and, the and encourage those listening too to use the video and this aspect of it. It last night when I was able to ask the question to John, being able to interact and see his expression and him see mine. I got the camera switched to the right angle tonight, but <laughs> there's so much power on this platform that just wanted to give you guys an attaboy and I really enjoy it and appreciate the information it's giving me and my family. Thanks a lot, Charlie. We we really awesome, appreciate Charlie, that. Thank you. I will say one thing about John and myself. Uh, I know John worked in an archery shop his whole life. His parents owned an archery shop. So when you've been around archery as long as John and I have, and you've been, I've probably been to every ATA show since they started, uh, yeah, you see stuff and it costs a ton of money for somebody to be an entrepreneur and start a company. And you see stuff at those shows, just like you said, Adam, that you know they're not going to make it. And you just have to walk by the booth and maybe laugh once you get by. But, you know, they've spent their life savings on that. Those booths are several thousand dollars and it costs a lot of money just to get an LLC together and get something started and get it manufactured. And, John, you're probably a lot like me. You haven't worked at an archery shop as long as you have. You can tell stuff that's not going to work and you can tell clothing by the stitch counts and how it's made you can tell you know archery accessories by how they're manufactured you know something that's good from something that's not relatively quickly and i i think that brings a lot to the table the viewers like i i don't endorse anything for money if i endorse something it's because i believe it's the absolute best product in this category that i know of uh, so I, I I would never endorse anything for money. I just wouldn't do it. I would accept I would accept the sponsorship like at on my YouTube channel if it was something that I personally used or something that even if I didn't use it was the best in its category. It's just not a category that I I particularly use like sticks or something. But uh, you know I, I can definitely see John. Um, you know, like Adam said, he know, John knows before Adam does what's good and what's not. And that's because of all his years of experience working on the job. Yeah, and real quick, to that point, as far as sponsorships, you know, I, I'm not necessarily against sponsorships, right? I mean, they're a part of business. that it's, it's advertising. Businesses have to do these things to get people to buy their products so that those businesses continue to exist. That's a part of it. Um, but... When it when it starts to direct the information, that's where I see it being problematic. So that's that's why we're we're trying to keep that separate as much as possible, right? Um, so anyway, I just that was my last thing on sponsorships. I not hating on sponsors or anybody who takes sponsorships. That that's not it at all. Um, so anyway, that was my only point there. Sure. All right, we got another question here. We'll. We'll bring up uh, Torin. Should get him on here. 
Well, that's an interesting name. I've heard that one before. And we'll see. All right. Uh, so your audio should be good. Oh, there he is. How's it going? It's going well. Uh, so I have a question. How are you guys going to make information that potentially new hunters or more experienced hunters haven't heard of available? So I know you mentioned the, the search bar and kind of being able to search for information kind of like Google. But let's say there's a concept that I'm unaware of. How am I going to be able to find that information uh, if I miss it during the live, the live stream? So that's a really good point, actually. And that's something that we can do with the, the tagging of the information. So um, just to clarify, when, when we say searchable, it's not like you're going to have a search bar, right, where you're going to type in a term. You're actually going to see a list of available topics. Um, in fact, I could show you. Um, but uh, point being is we could also organize those so that you click uh, beginner videos or scouting for beginners. We can have those tags so that you could select that and it could pull up a playlist, so to speak, almost just like YouTube. Um, it could pull up a very, very specified playlist, just like any of those options would do. Um, I don't know if that makes sense or not, but, um, yeah, and I think, you know, to the, to that point would be, I think that's the value in, you know, not necessarily being able to be in each one, but there's going to be a video, uh, component to each one of these, right? So, um, you are going to be able to, um, you know, if you go on the website right now, you see a schedule of all the things that are going to be on there. So you're going to be able to say, okay, well, this one is, you know, John, this one is Dan, this one is this, this is that. Um, those are all things that you're going to be able to, um, you know, kind of maybe prioritize your time or kind of go back and look at. And so that would be maybe something where the topic you're not necessarily familiar with, you'll be able to see what's upcoming. It's not that you have to be on here and be like, oh man, it's a, it's a whole new concept, but you'll be able to kind of um, pick and choose which ones you want to spend your time on, I guess. So, so the advantage of actually being on live like you are right now, if you have a specific question concerning your hunting or your hunting or your property or whatever, and that's something that you can ask. And to me, to me, a lot of times, if, if somebody asks a question about a specific property or how to do a specific thing, there's usually other people can take things away from that as well. So I, I think that's one of the advantages. If, you know, I don't know how, what your hunting history is, but if you've been hunting a long time and you're a really good hunter, you know, you're not going to be interested in list, going back and listening to something that a novice is going to ask. But, you know, you can ask whatever you want on this platform. And so it, just real quick, I'm going to I'm gonna try and do something here and put you on the spot a little bit. Um, so, Torn, you're a saddle hunter, right? Correct. Okay. So I'm going to try something here. He doesn't even know that I'm going to do this. Um, I am pulling up somebody else here. I'm pulling up probably another one of the foremost saddle hunters um taylor, taylor <laughs> chamberlain uh, i'm bringing on so we've got taylor chamberlain uh and <laughs> john eberhart on here so let's say if you were new to saddle hunting and you wanted to 
talked to probably two guys that have killed more deer out of a saddle than anybody on the planet. Uh, now you're in the room with them. So what questions would you have about uh, killing deer from a saddle with uh, two of the foremost saddle hunters? <laughs> so uh, here's a question. All right. So I'm not a huge fan of the ring of steps, right? How can uh, you John, step- John's not going to like hearing that. <laughs> I know. I know. I know. <laughs> So I'm not a huge fan of the ring of steps and I'm not a huge fan of a platform either. I like having the mobility to be able to get around trees, but because I'm a sitter, I like being able to have something there that I can put my feet down and put my knees up against the tree. You follow? Yeah. Okay. So last year I just ran a stick and then had a screw in step. And I'm athletic enough that my stick, it swivels back and forth, the step. And I can just move that back and forth, and I can shoot roughly 320 degrees around a tree. So you're, so, you're taking like a, like a lone wolf stick, and you're flipping the you're crazy, man. <laughs> yeah, but you're, you're limiting like yourself to a tree diameter. There's no way you can on a very big tree and still so you're hunting a relatively small tree diameter. Otherwise, you'd have to have steps around the backside because you can't. You couldn't. You couldn't lean far enough to one side on a bigger diameter tree to take that shot. And also, the reason I'm a ring of steps guy is I like my movements when I'm in a tree. And I'm typically when you're going to move around in a tree, it's because a deer's coming in. Something's happening. And that's why you're moving. You're moving to either use the tree as a blocker on a non-target deer or you're moving around to get a shot. And when you're moving, you know, the best time to kill deer is during the rut phase is in the foliage. So when you're making a move, you're more apt to get picked if you have big, harsh movements, body movements. So with a ring of steps, I get mine like eight to ten inches apart. And depending on the diameter of the tree, I'll have four to seven or eight steps around the tree. And I can walk around the tree to the back side or the right or however I want to go with very subtle movements where I've watched a lot of YouTube videos where somebody's on a platform or on a stick, like the top of the stick. And I know a guy that shot a really nice buck just off the top of the stick. And he, they put their feet on this kind of on the, on one step on the top of the stick. And then they'll let their body swing around to the back side of the tree. At some point in time, you're doing that to take a shot at a deer. And gravity is taking over your body during some time during that swing, typically, if you're swinging around to shoot to the back side. If you're swinging around to shoot to your one o'clock, you know, you're swinging completely around to the back side tree while keeping your feet in one spot in the front. And anytime to me where you don't have 100% control of your steps and your body movement, where gravity is going to take over your body for a half a second, that's unacceptable because the, the mature deer where I'm hunting anyway, they, they pick that. You know, my odds of getting picked are pretty high. Now, when I've hunted out west, that hasn't been an issue. Because, uh, you know, here it is. And I, I just feel like the ring of steps give me more an advantage because I can move around the tree very easily, no harsh movements. I can use the tree as a blocker. When you've got your, your stick on one side of the tree and you're facing the tree, 
that's pretty much where your body is. It's hard to even swing around the tree to use the tree as a blocker on a deer that's going to go by that you don't want to shoot. And Taylor, just, I don't know if you know Taylor, Doran, but Taylor, uh, he shoots deer like all year round. So he's killed more deer out of the saddle than anything. I'll get it out one today. <laughs> Killed, killed, a, killed a couple. <laughs> um, so just out of curiosity, Torn, why do you not like the ring of steps? Oh, I just I moved him back. I thought we were done. So or even the I'll uh, I'll bring him back. What I, I was like doing, your cup, John. <laughs> I like that cup. Very nice, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. All right, so Torn, you can answer now. So the reason that I don't like the ring of steps is mostly just a comfort thing. Um, I feel like my feet get fatigued for longer sits in a ring of steps. But you're, but you're, you're sitting, right? So you're kneeling in the tree. So you're, you're, uh, so I'm just using my knees to basically brace, but I would say three quarters of my weight is the instep of my foot. Okay. How can you stand on a step on the top of a stick and have that be more comfortable than on a flat when you got each foot planted on a flat top step? But see, but well, say that again, John. If you have your feet together, basically your legs are together. If you got your feet on the top of a stick, a single step on the top of a stick. How can your feet both be on that small space, almost touching your feet, touching each other, versus your feet being more comfortable being on a steps that are maybe 16 inches apart? If you got them gapped eight inches apart, you got one in between your legs, and your feet are on the two to each side of that one between your legs, then you're nice and comfortable. And I, I just don't understand how your feet can be comfortable on what you're doing, yet not be comfortable on steps. So I'm not. I'm both my feet aren't on a step. So I use a screw in step almost like a ring of steps. So basically I'm, I want, I want both worlds. I want a platform. So for the, the comfort of kneeling, but I want the mobility of the ring of steps. I don't like the ring of steps for an all day sit or a long sit because it fatigues my legs. So when I'm using just one stick, I'll use it like a platform because it's so close to the uh to the screwing step that uh it doesn't fatigue my legs if that makes sense or it doesn't fatigue my feet i should say so it's like the pressure on your feet so like the the hot spot like that yeah and i think that that's probably what he's talking about taylor is you know that to me is the big thing of, of standing on the top of your stick just in its own right or on the uh, this single stick or whatever yeah. is that pressure so, so that's why why i stopped using the ring of steps was um i was getting like pressure points on my feet where like even when i was sitting uh you know you have that like one flat spot maybe in the arch or ball or whatever uh, right but it, it'll just continually kind of hit that spot i was just curious how i was trying to envision in my mind like how you're using the single stick uh top and how that was more comfortable than a ring of steps, because in my mind, you know, the ring of steps is just the same thing. Uh, I mean, you can use both a platform and, uh, and, you know, steps around the tree. I've done that in the past 
So it's kind of funny you bring this up. John and I were actually together last weekend. I was talking to John about this, but uh, I feel like it's very important when you're saddle hunting, regardless of whether you're using a platform or ring of steps. Uh, I call it like keep your head on a swivel, but you have to constantly be monitoring your area and you have to see the deer before the deer see you. If you're like playing on your phone and then you look up and you go, oh my God, there's there's a deer at 12 yards, you're done, you know, because odds are you're very vulnerable in a position where you're going to get silhouetted or skylighted or whatever. Uh, so even if you're on a platform, and for me, I mean, I hunt, I hunt from a platform. When I see deer, if I'm not going to shoot them, I'm moving my body very slowly to keep that tree in, in, you know, in between the deer and myself. Um, so I, I think you might be, you might want to play around with your system a little bit and try to figure out, you know, uh, if, if you're sitting to where your knees are in the tree, then that should be relieving the pressure completely or, you know, 99% off your feet to where a ring of steps might work. Um, the, the step system that John came out with, uh, from, or helped design with Cranford is really awesome. Uh, I, I stood on it recently and I really like it. Um, that could pair really well with a platform or something like that. And you know, maybe just like tinker with it and try to figure out your, your best option. Cause I think if you don't have a platform and don't have a ring of steps, it's going to be really hard to, to get into position to take a shot potentially when the time comes and, and you don't want to, you know, be limiting yourself or trying or somewhat handicapping yourself um, to take that shot when the time comes. You know what I mean? Sure. All right. I'm going to pop uh Torin off. We got another uh, guy that wants to come on and talk here. Um, and I want to say, Hey, to, uh, to Taylor, thanks. For, I, I knew I was going to put you on the spot, but I know uh, no you, you, you don't have a problem with that. So um, we'll roll with <laughs> that's 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 what I was uh, going with. So um, we got our, our buddy Tim Clark here, who is another uh, very uh, accomplished saddle hunter, and he's appears to be uh, sitting in a truck somewhere. <laughs> mobile works. It's really good. yeah. Coming home from a side job. I no. I just had a little feedback on that uh, that question that Torrin had. I hunted off a ring of steps for a handful of years, and I still do occasionally platform more now. But one thing that kind of stands out there is if you've got 75% of your weight on those steps, um, it's probably not really true that you're sitting a lot. Um, one of the things that I really like to do is set up um, kind of like what uh, John was talking about, where you're trying to keep the trunk of the tree between where you're expecting the deer to be and yourself when you're sitting in that spot and you can actually get yourself sitting and relieving some of that pressure from your feet you can stay like that for long periods of time and it helps for one it takes a peak off your feet two it keeps you really still uh, both of those things are really cool and i think the other part um that i found to really work well for me and i've, I've pretty much used that this system a lot is I put my platform at the same hut as my um, stick, my last stick. And I'll put those usually with my stick on my weak side. And uh, that lets me spread my feet a little bit, sort of like what you get steps. It's more comfort. You like that comfort of the platform. 
and the mobility to try to get yourself around the tree with something that you can actually get purchase on. I guess the biggest thing is to try to try to get a little bit of that pressure off your feet by actually into that saddle with your knee against the tree, and it'll help to relieve that pressure and give you a long-term comfort. The ability yeah, to so still. Um, I'm going right, to 100% agree with, with, with both those things. I think it's um, really important to – like regardless of what your system is, I probably only have about 5% of my weight on my feet until I have to be moving around. Yeah, the same way. Um, you know, and, and if I'm, even if I'm leaning, you know, I'll have my, my heels on my platform, but my toes are up on the tree. They're kind of crammed in there like funky, but it, it's just my weight's in my butt. It's in the saddle. I'm letting the saddle do the work until it's time to, to switch into um, you know, kill mode is what I call it. But, you know, it, also that keeps you still. And that's, you know, I'm in full agreement with that. I also do exactly what he says, where I put my top of my stick uh, at the same height as my platform base. And I'll put that stick, if I'm able to, um, you know, 90 degrees around to clockwise from where my platform is. So that allows me to rotate on a strong shot and then shoot a strong shot, you know, all the way back for, to the three o'clock position and then a strong shot all the way back to like, you know, three o'clock again. So I'm, I'm kind of able to walk around the tree with that stick being there. So it's kind of like a hybrid between ring of steps and platform. I, I gotta say one thing real quick. I'm the same way, Taylor. I have most of my weight in my butt when I'm, when I'm hanging. But when my video, when my YouTube thing comes out, you guys can see why I was. Stuff. I had trees that couldn't hunt off just a platform. I had some, I had a lot of really good things. Yeah, you have some gnarly, gnarly, big, big, wide trees, right? Well, yeah, I mean, Taylor, thanks for jumping on here. And, and like I said, all we're doing tonight is this platform right here uh, is designed strictly for. Uh, information, and I just wanted to showcase bringing guys on. Um, to talk and try to sh uh, showcase that functionality. And I mean, I, I guess tonight is a, a perfect example of you never know who else is watching. So, um, you know, for me to be able to pull you in here, to be able to, you missed Walter. He was in here. We pulled him on. Um, he, he said, he said a few things about you, I think. So you might need to text him, but, um, but yeah, so chilling. <laughs> <laughs> so 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 just to be able to bring uh, people on and uh, just strictly get that information, be able to ask those pointed questions um, to people, um, you know. So I'll I'll let you be back to casual there, uh, Taylor. But I do appreciate. Uh, yeah, I'm I'm happy to help. I mean, yeah. and I appreciate you having me on. But to, it's a super cool uh, platform, and to be able to you know, ask you guys questions or just be able to ask, uh, you know, John questions. And, um, you know, John is the reason that I hunt from a saddle. And if, uh, if you have the opportunity to talk and hang out with a living legend that, that John is, uh, oh. you need to take advantage of it at all, at all times, man. It's the coolest thing in the world. Great seeing you again. I didn't know you were going to be on here. Cool. <laughs> Surprise. <laughs> I'm following you. <laughs> all right. Thanks, Taylor. Thanks, yeah. So, um, like I said, I'm sorry, Alex, if I keep, you know, just oh, this is awesome jumping, jumping around here. But I just, like I said, 
I wanted to do this tonight and, you know, you had said, you know, we'll come on and do a podcast, but I wanted to showcase, you know, the functionality uh, of this and be able to kind of uh, spotlight what I think we both know that this can be and, and you know, John, the same way, um, just to be able to show the ability to have those conversations with, you know, whoever is in the room, um, you know, tonight is kind of like, like I said, I'm drinking beer. It's my show. I'll do what I'm going to do, but I know the names that are on the side. Um, and so as this thing progresses and if people keep continuing to show up, subscribe, uh, it's going to be easier. And I think that goes back to, uh, the question that Jason had asked about the forum, right? So, it's going to be very easy to recognize some names and bring people in um, and be able to have these conversations and, and do things like that. So um, I guess along that note, what are your um, uh, opinions of the way that things are going on this podcast? Like I said, you know, I'm using your platform, um, you know, to, to somewhat interview you, but I'm also just blowing up the complete, topic or in and doing whatever i want to so this is exactly how it's supposed to go right you know we try and create a framework for uh this whatever you want to call this but in reality this is supposed to be like you're hanging out with with john or all of us right this is supposed to be just a collaboration and you know i have some other you know i have some thoughts about we also have the capability to do literally like open online hangouts uh think of it as a so take like the hunting beast forum right one of the most popular hunting forums out there think about that but in a live format where instead of like you refreshing the page every time you know you want to see if somebody responded to whatever you said you literally just get on at a set time and you have this conversation um so that's another thing we can do. We have not really there yet infrastructure wise, but we do have that capability and I think it's really cool. And that's the point of this It's live collaboration, live sharing of ideas. And it's just, when you're able to do it real time this fast, you're, you're able to move faster. You know, things move faster. Questions get answered faster and you learn faster, you know? So um, you're doing a, heck of a job this is the point of this platform and so uh john borisma uh this um you had mentioned previously how you had uh appreciated when we were doing our zoom meetings and stuff like that um so it went from you know there was 20 people in the room here and we're at, at 13 right now and it's been as high as you know 25 30 whatever um going ebb and flow as, as people have time and the same thing you know you can't just always sit down and do this like you and i make time for every single night this week um when we were doing our zoom meetings and things like that it could be a little hectic it could be somewhat overwhelming with everybody on the screen uh how do you see this um from that standpoint versus uh the ones that we were doing where you you know everybody's there and active and if somebody's dog's barking, it takes over the mic and, and, and stuff like that. Well, like this format here is, I mean, I mean, the zoom thing was cool, but this is much more structured. And you're not getting the dogs barking like a kid open the door a couple of times, but, <laughs> but 
what's nice about this is like, you know, when you listen to a podcast and you, and it's like in a good podcast, it's like you're a fly on the wall and you're, you're like, you're in the conversation, but you can't ask that it sometimes the information that, that they're talking about, it's almost perfect, but there's like one little aspect that you would like to, you know, hear well, like with this platform, now you can pipe in and get that, that one specific topic that you're looking for. So this is going to mean it's going to be a great. And, and John's the most critical person that I know. So I do, a, <laughs> I, I say that, um, with the utmost sincerity, John, uh, that's why I love you. That's what, that's why I, I keep you around. Right. <laughs> it's not for my, uh, my speaking abilities like my daughter. <laughs> well, Alex and John, I think, you know, that's kind of all we've got for tonight and, and everything. Alex, I know you've got a hundred other things to do and you're just chomping at the bit. Right. But, um, it was really nice to be able to, like I said, use this, um, you know, bring people in, uh, take the time. So, um, from that standpoint, what closing thoughts do you have and where can people, you know, how do they go about this? What, you know, what do they do? Um, so I guess first off, I, I think that, um, and Adam, I have to give you credit for having this idea to do this. And I appreciate you guys, you know, doing your podcast on the platform, right? Because, um, it's been one of the challenges that I've had is showcasing what this is. If you enter the session, um, you almost, it's very obvious, right? The advantages, but um, from a traditional marketing perspective, it's very difficult to communicate that. Um, so um, my point is, I think that um, you, everybody will see some more free sessions. I think that right now we don't have the startup sessions free, but that's changing. They are going to be free. And um, the reason we can't just do wild free sessions, right, is because we pay for this webinar platform. And it's limited to the number of people and the number of people determine costs. So you can see how that can run away on me really fast uh, from a cost perspective. But um, these free sessions are so valuable. So thank you for doing that. Now, um, anybody out there who's watching this and wants to get involved in the discussions with John, Dan, Mario, Tom, Garrett, um, the, the passes are available. Um, there are two uh, different tiers, I guess, right now. One is called the basics and the other is an all-access pass. The difference is the all-access pass gets you access to literally everything. Um, the basics only gets you access to, we call them general sessions. And again, this is something we're optimizing. But the point is, is that the people who pay for the all-access pass, we want to make sure that they have that premium experience so that when they're on with John, they are, in fact, able to ask, they get their question answered in that session. So that's why we've set up that tier level. But um, that's how we're doing it right now. We're open for, su for suggestions. That's how it's set up right now. And um, that can all be purchased uh, through the site. Um, we also have the opportunity to just buy passes for the recorded sessions. If you, you know, your work schedule or some, I've had a couple people email and say, my work schedule doesn't allow me to attend the live sessions. Can I only go to the recorded sessions? So we've made a plan that's recorded sessions only. Same goes for the vital cuts. If you only want the short little um, clips of just the very specific searchable information. Um, 
other than that, I just I want to thank everybody. You know, John, both Johns here, Adam, you're doing a heck of a job. We, we can't appreciate, can't thank you enough for your help. Um, and then obviously, all of our members. I mean, you guys are the only reason this is going into its second month, right? You know, without without you guys, this doesn't exist. There, there's costs, and this is the only way uh, this is possible to have you guys involved. So, um, thank you. That's all I got. Awesome. All right. Well, I think that's all we've got for tonight. And this very, um, the one downfall of this platform, I guess I would say, is that like once you click done, it's gone. <laughs> like, so like there's no hanging around with, you know, John, Alex and I to like, you know, decompress or, or do anything like that. So as soon as we hit over, it's over. <laughs> no, no more transmission. So, um, that's what we've got for this evening. And I like to say, I just want to thank you guys for, for listening and tuning in and participating. And, you know, it's been fun. And, and you know, maybe we'll be able to do this again uh, sometime if we get enough interest. But uh, I think that's going to do it for this evening. Thanks. Thanks, guys. fine print contracts and getting ripped off by overpriced wireless providers. If we've learned anything, it's that there's always a catch. So when I heard that Mint Mobile wireless plans are $15 a month when you purchase a three-month plan, I thought, what's the catch? But after talking to them, it all made sense. There isn't one. Mint Mobile's secret sauce is that they sell wireless service online. They cut out the cost of retail stores and pass those sweet savings directly to you. To get this new customer offer and your new three-month unlimited wireless plan for just 15 bucks a month, go to mintmobile.com slash waypoint. That's mintmobile.com slash waypoint. Cut your wireless bill to 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com slash waypoint. Additional taxes, fees, and restrictions apply. See Mint Mobile for details.